0: Get ready for the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com.
1: That's right. Welcome in another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, breaking down District 4 activities week in, week out. My name is Brandon Bainey, and we are joined by the proudest member of the Ramily, Scott Burton. What's up,
0: Scott? Yo, what's going on, Brandon? Ramily is uh, the moniker this week, and um, the sunglasses have a you know, a role to play in that because this, uh, coming weekend I'm headed to the Rams and sea chickens game up in Seattle, uh, to, to hang out with some of my Ramily. See, see what I did there.
1: Yeah. You are uh, quite famously, uh, a Los Angeles Rams fan. Um, I, I know what the, that entails because my dad is a lifelong Rams fan, my older brother, lifelong Rams fan. So, I'm bleeding blue and gold out my ears. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. My internet froze up, I think. All right. Back on the Magic Valley PrepCast, IdahoSports.com. Occasionally, my internet is horrendous, Scott. I'm working on switching internet providers. So occasionally I might freeze up, or as you said, I might be more frozen than your daughter's
0: bedroom. Yeah, what you said. Yeah, that's what I said. As soon as you came back on, I'm like, my word, this is. I'm going to carry the show. I'm going to. I'm going to carry the show. Me and my sunglasses are going to carry the show. And I want to get back to what we were talking about because this weekend I'm up to see my Ramilly, right? And that's on Sunday. Saturday, uh, headed to the gorge to see Eric Church. Hence the shades. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I like so, it. Yeah, big weekend. So it's going to be tons of fun. And yeah. there's nothing better than opening NFL weekend. Man, it, it is awesome.
1: It's a good time for sure. I will tell you, Scott, I have done two fantasy football drafts, not a sniff on Matt Stafford. Nobody wants a piece of that guy.
0: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I'm I'm in three different leagues. And obviously I've had all my drafts and on those three teams, I don't think I have one Ram player. Yeah, it's, it's bad. It's, this is going to be very bad because when I go up to Seattle and I catch games up there quite often, um, I'm obviously decked out in all my gear and, and hat and Jersey. And, and with that comes a certain degree of, of smack talking that I like to do. Um, I, I just take all those little sea chickens and, and try to ruffle the feathers. And, and uh, I get under a few people's skin up there. And uh, win or lose, I'm just that guy. you know uh, I remember one time I was sitting <clears> – <throat> um, we, we got seats a little bit up high. I like to be up high in a game versus down low because you get more perspective. You get to see the play develop. I don't need to be at ground level to watch a football game. I hate that. But so we were up up high a little bit and uh, it was i don't know the end of the quarter or something it was my turn to go down and get snacks or whatever and and so i went down and i came back with a handful of whatever and and uh, and i'd been just talking smack the whole game just cheering every play and and i'm i'm just alone in this sea of blue and but it didn't stop me so anyway i'm walking back up the the, the stairs hands are full and there was a timeout and so there was no action going on and nobody had anything to watch except this ram fan walking up the stairs i am full of drinks and and whatnot and then i heard somebody stand up and go boo somebody else stood up and goes boo and then pretty soon there was probably about 20 25 people standing up booing somebody threw popcorn and then everybody was throwing popcorn and then i am just getting pelted walking up the stairs to a chorus of boos uh, because I'm the Ram fan in this, you know, sea Turkey world that I was living in. And I loved every second of it. And I can't wait to get back and, and do that again, throw all the popcorn you want. It's fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. One more Ram note. And then I promise we'll get into magic. Valley. <laughs> oh
0: yeah. That's right. I forgot why we were here. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> my, my dad and my older brother are both Rams fans. It was 2005 And they were playing the Seahawks in a first round playoff game. Uh, Mark Bolger was still the quarterback back then. And it came down to basically, and same thing you got just Seattle fans are nasty. And they're the only Rams fans in the whole (laughs) section. Uh, It gets down to the end and Seattle's driving to win. Matt Hasselbeck throws to Bobby Ingram in the end zone. He drops a wide open touchdown pass. Seattle loses by a score my dad and brother kind of high five and then go, we should probably get out of here. <laughs> and <then> They <laughs> they booked it out of there. Um, so that's great. Oh, my-
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, in, in this culture of, of, of fan behavior, I mean, you, you can't really take anything for granted anymore. I guess maybe I ought to, you know, check myself <laughs> this weekend before I'm doing next week's podcast with these on for a reason. <laughs>
1: yeah if you if you make it back for next week's show in one piece, I'll consider it a win.
0: <laughs> You've got it,
1: all right. Well, speaking of uh, speaking of multiple pieces and things that take multiple, oh boy, I got nothing. I can't pivot out of this one. We just got to well, get to the <laughs> like, wow, sh-
0: the fro- the frozen thing the, is is throwing you off a little bit.
1: I'm shook. I'm not, yeah, I'm not in my usual environment here. Uh, let's talk about. Some developing news that came across uh, yesterday, September 5th. We're recording this on Wednesday, the 6th, where essentially all of that reclassification talk that we had in the spring and the summer and we thought it was dead to rights. Well, apparently there's this little known bylaw that states um, if Idaho's superintendents across the state don't agree with the decision that the IHSAA board has made, they can enact a statewide vote and overrule the board's decision. So Scott, yesterday, the vote was tabulated and out of 152 schools across the state, 100 of them or 66% said, yes, we want these changes. We think you made the wrong choice. This was, I'll be
0: honest, I didn't see this coming. I, I didn't either. And I don't think anybody knew this rule existed. And I mean, we knew when the vote came out that it was probably not going to be met with a lot of favor uh, just because of all the research that they've done, the polling that they've done. And really, honestly, it, it made sense. The 6A classification made sense because if you didn't do it, we're just going to be revisiting this issue right after that cycle because Idaho is growing. You're going to have to do something and keeping it the way it was shocked everybody because the the original uh, vote in May was uh, a one eight, seven, I think it was, or something like that, uh, in favor of adopting the 6A. Well, summer comes along and then we get to August and all of a sudden it fails by two. And you know, we've all got our our you know hints and reasons why we think that happened. Um but when this came out, holy cow, what what is that saying? I mean is that just is that taking a little power away from the IHSAA a little bit, knowing that if we don't like what you're doing we can all rally, get together and overturn you. I I don't know, but it was certainly, certainly the talk of the sports world.
1: Yeah. And so I think in a broader sense, we're not going to see, I don't think this is a card that'll be pulled out of the deck very often because you've got to get so many superintendents in agreement on something. It's really, I think for those really big obvious things that the board misses sometimes where they did an informal survey over 70% of the schools polled said, yeah, we like this move. And then they still rejected it. And it's like, how are you representing the schools? If over 70% said we want this and then you didn't vote for it. If only real life politics worked this way, Scott,
0: (laughs) you could really get some stuff done. Yeah, I'm kidding. It's almost like we opened that impeachment box and now everybody's getting (laughs) impeached. You know, you open up this one. I don't know. Let's see what happens. I think the bigger, bigger thing that I want to know is why didn't it pass the first time? What happened in August? That made this not pass. I think that's the story.
1: I don't know that we'll ever know. I mean, we can speculate all we want on why it did or didn't. But uh, when you have a 14 person board, it it failed eight to six. When you had 14 people voting, um, as opposed to 152 schools, uh, the answer is pretty clear. They wanted this change. I'll ask you this, Scott somebody had to have discovered this or known this rule existed this bylaw somebody at a school somewhere then you know kick this ball down the hill do you know who that was you don't have to say if you do i'm just curious if you actually know who it was or which school
0: no i don't um with a little digging i might be able to find out but uh th- that's an interesting point too is like who knew this even existed you know unless they were leaked some information that said hey we've got a little rule here if you want to explore it You know, other than that, I don't know who's reading the fine print and all the bylaws. Uh, That's an interesting story as well.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of intrigue to this for sure. And then, you know, big picture for the Magic Valley, Canyon Ridge is moving up to 6A and that is it. Uh, Twin Falls will stay down at the 5A level. And really, for other teams in the Magic Valley, they're not affected. But this was the big story. Canyon Ridge is now moving up. They are moving up alone without a travel partner. They're going to have to go play in East Idaho.
0: Yeah, and it's just going to be interesting to see what they petition down in and then what gets granted. Um, There's going to be several sports I believe Canyon Ridge is going to come down and play 4A. And, you know, and they presented the argument last time when they petitioned to stay 4A was that, you know, obviously the competitive equity, but the cost of travel. I mean, your conference games are going to be ridiculous. Um, and so you, you've got to really take some things into consideration. And that's why I think Canyon Ridge is going to petition down on just about everything if they can. So we'll see what gets granted and what doesn't.
1: Yeah. For the moment, though, they'd be lumped in with Highland and Madison and Rigby and um, all of those schools.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, talk about a a conference change going from the Great Basin Foray and what we've got in that conference up to that. I mean, you are talking a massive jump. And uh, it's going to be tough sledding for Canyon Ridge.
1: It's a very good league, not just in football, but in soccer and volleyball and. You know, it's it's it would be a tough league for sure. So, I don't know that this whole thing is just very interesting, and I guess we can revisit it in 2024. But uh, maybe maybe we can do a little more digging and find out who, how this actually got started. And I'd be very curious to know. But
0: yeah, I don't know. I'll put my people on it. Once I get, <laughs> yeah, once I get your, some people,
1: your team, your team of interns. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. Yes. still waiting for them. Those guys too. But I'll see what I can find out.
1: Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Well, we wanted to go with a little bit of a different theme for today's show, Scott. Normally when we hop on the prep cast, we are talking about team X just came off a big win and this Uh could really define their season, but we had a lot of highly ranked, highly regarded football teams in particular lose this past week. And so What really stood out to me was a quote I saw in the Times News newspaper, actually, from Oakley head coach Brennan Jones, where he said, hey, we've got a lot to learn from this game. And I thought, yeah, you know, coaches will tell you sometimes you learn more from a loss than you do from a win. And so I kind of wanted to explore this learning from a loss and how do teams self-reflect and internalize and then get better. And so we had a couple of examples here in the Magic Valley. I wanted to start with girls soccer. Where you've got Sun Valley Community School, the defending 3A state champions, and they hosted Sugar Salem way back in the season opener. This was all the way back in August. They lose that game, Scott, ten to one. I mean, just an eye opener. But since then, they've gone four and zero, and what have they outscored their opponents? Thirty five to
0: one. Yeah, thirty five to one. And yeah, they they totally turned it around. And you do a little bit of investigating, and, and you've talk about that sugar game this was a game that was in complete disarray to begin with i mean it was sugar this did not get the cutthroats best effort i mean they had a number of players that were injured or ineligible in this game and the coach wasn't even there because she had a family commitment that she had going on and so it's just like nothing was in sync And as a result, yeah, that's what happens 10 to one, but this is not that team, but you know what a loss to open the season might kind of say, okay, Hey, let's get it together because we can't have things go sideways and boy, have they gotten it together since then.
1: It really forces you to look at the details, right? How do we prepare for a game? Like you said, if it's all scattered and chaotic to start, okay, we've got to drill down our preparation to make sure we're ready to go from that first whistle.
0: Yeah, no question about it. I mean, it it, it exposes you uh, every time you, you lose because your weaknesses become exposed, and and everybody capitalizes on that because winning is about not necessarily um, being better, but it's about being smarter and exposing the weaknesses of others. And and so there, there's an old saying that that uh, that I've got in my office that says, uh, "I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to win. I just know I'm not going to lose." And and it's it's just a mantra, you know. And uh, but yeah, you, you talk about that in this uh, community school soccer team, you know, they've got six seniors on this team, and when you have that kind of leadership, then the, the learning from the losses are a little bit easier to deal with because you've got some experience there. Um, you know, they're led by Mia Hansmeyer, who's the you know co-captain, and um, and they've got a little good luck charm with them as well. And they're going to love this. They've got nelson on the sidelines so the next question elsa (laughs) because you froze you're still frozen elsa but um they've got nelson on the sideline. and uh okay all right you you with me now you're gonna ask me who nelson is i'll just tell you who nelson is so Nelson is a really ugly, vaguely creepy baby doll that somehow appeared on the sidelines of gutthroats two years ago, and uh, it kind of became their mascot. And it lost an arm, and they reassembled it, put it back together, and so it's been the focus of you know of, of their team. It's been uh, on the on the bench far away from the coaches, but every game, you're going to see Nelson there. That is their good luck charm. And Nelson was one of those gas station dollar dolls they picked up on route to a game. And for some reason, it just became the mascot and the good luck charm. And, uh, it's, it's a really fun, interesting little story. So as they continue this season, if you go to a game and you know what you're looking for, look for a little doll named nelson somewhere on the sidelines because the lady cutthroats have got him there yeah you know ever since you moved to Court d'alene I, I it's like they don't what you said didn't. came across clearly <laughs> i know it's like it's like you do you have dial up are you on AOL? <laughs>
1: I I am seriously. As soon as we're done with this, I'm switching internet providers. Oh
0: my goodness! Yeah. So hopefully you caught everything I said about Nelson. And here we go. So
1: Sun Valley had gone on the (laughs) just in time for another setback last night. The cutthroats fall to Kimberly seven to one. So another chance now to. Mm -hmm. internalize and reflect and okay let's learn from this loss and see how we can get better but gut throats will be a fun team to watch as the season goes along for For sure. sure all right let's talk football now oakley plays kendrick in this gargantuan 1a d1 versus 1a d2 football battle on the blue turf at albertson stadium boise state university as part of this battle in boise and Oakley comes out gangbusters. Bryce Severe returns, the opening kickoff 84 yards for a touchdown. They're leading this thing 22 to 16 at halftime. And then they get shut out 22 to nothing in the second half and end up losing by multiple scores. And this is really what triggered this whole learning from a lost topic. We're covering here is coach Brandon Jones says, okay, we've got a lot to learn uh, about ourselves and how we're going to fare. And so you had a chance to talk to coach Jones. What were his yep. thoughts?
0: Yeah. I had a really good conversation with coach Jones and, and, uh, you know, we shared some insight and some philosophy and, you know, stuff we can't share on the, on the air, but it was just a really good conversation because you get into the mind, you know, of a coach. And, you know, one of the things that I enjoy about doing this is, is I've been a coach and I get it, you know, and I love the philosophy part of things. And so, but this was a Kendrick team that was, so much more physical than Oakley. And and we know how good Oakley is. We know that Oakley is at the top of the food chain when it comes to eight-man football. But this Kendrick team is absolutely head and shoulders above everybody else because they are so physical and so big and so strong that in that second half, it was basically Oakley just getting pushed around. And it really exposed the lack of physicality. And it's not that Oakley's a bad team, because they're certainly not. But when you put them up against a physical team like Kendrick, who's just bigger and faster and tougher and stronger, yeah, you, you, you get some weaknesses exposed. And so, you know, that game was just one of those things. And, and then we started talking about, you know, kind of the, the philosophy behind everything. And I'll get to that in a minute. But, you know, in that game, Ty kept their quarterback. Man, what a what a beast he is. And and he if you look at him, he has gotten bigger and stronger noticeably, you know, from last year and we know how good they were last year. And uh, you you couple that with Sawyer Hewitt and this is a very very potent offense from Kendrick and physical
1: Yeah. So I'm curious to know then because Oakley just doesn't get punched in the nose like that very often, not, not in the last several years. So, you know, what, what do they learn? What do they take away from a setback like this?
0: Yeah. They just, you you talk about getting physical, but it's, it's, it's hard to do because, you know, in, in eight man football, you've only got so many bodies and the, the toughest thing to do and this goes for any program whatsoever, at any sport, any level, but in particular at the eight-man level, is that you've got to be able to create the internal competition, the competition to where you step onto the practice field. You are battling somebody you know, for a spot, uh, playing time, or just the fact that that dude is a better dude than you and you want to beat him, whatever it is, you've got to have that internal competition. And that's what makes teams better. Eight men, it's hard to replicate because you've got all these guys going both ways. And sometimes those battles get lost and they're not there. And you don't have groups pushing each other in practice because that's what you need to get better. And the only time you get pushed is in a game. Oh, well, that's too late by then, you know, and so that was part of the philosophy that we were talking about and somehow we got to get every team has got to get that battle going and and right now kendrick's got it going because they've got dudes up and down that roster that are just beating the snot out of each other and practice every day and they're competing and their practices are tougher than a lot of the games they play
1: exactly and i i i wouldn't bet against oakley finding that toughness and I mean, and sometimes it's it's like, you know, we talk about like an enforcer in hockey, but to me, a couple of years ago, Dallin Jones was the guy for Oakley. He set the tone with his physical play. And if you get one or two guys that set the tone, everybody else falls in line pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. and, And that's what you need. And I'm not saying Oakley doesn't have it. Oakley is Oakley. They are good and they are coached well and they've got great kids, but the lesson never changes from year to year and you're going to have drop-offs with every team. And I'm not saying Oakley's having one, but some things have got to remain a constant and, and that competition and that physicality has got to be at the top of everybody's list if you want to compete. And, you know, and I I think that's maybe what Oakley's finding out about themselves as they move forward into the season.
1: Yeah. That'll be really interesting. So, some really good thoughts from, from two totally different sports, two totally mm-hmm. different coaches, but a lot of the same lessons can be applied. You know, how do we, how do we execute the the finer details? And at the same time, how do we have that physicality that's needed? So yeah, I really liked it. I, I liked exploring this Scott.
0: Yeah, I, I do too. And you know, and you, you get behind some of the things that you don't really think about when you talk about eight man football too, is that how many of these games, I mean, we, okay, we talk about, the, the cream of the crop in eight-man football. And it begins and ends with Kendrick and Oakley and Rafter. It's the same cast of characters, right, that we talk about all the time. Well, they've got to figure out a way on that competitive side of things to keep things competitive within that team. Another reason is because how many of those games are these teams playing that are called after X amount of quarters because it's 150 to nothing, you know, or it ends in a, you know, 50 to nothing blowout, and they're not getting challenged. You know what I'm saying? And so that becomes one of the struggles to keep a program going, especially at eight man. You know, so figure it out, find a way to battle and make those practices the toughest that you will ever do that season. And the games are rewards. If you can get that, if you can get the key to that, then you're on the right path. But the minute that you're coasting in practice and games become tough is where you got to reevaluate.
1: Yeah, because you never, never know when you're gonna be in a tight game. And if you would have been laissez-faire in practice, then general over the course of actual competition. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to see how Oakley rebounds this week and of course uh, the rest of the season as well. And and same, same to a team like Minico. You know, they lose a tight game to Mountain Crest, Utah. Mount (laughs) me, you got me now, Scott. (laughs)
0: Let it go, let it go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Basically, Mountain Crest makes one PAT. Minico goes zero for three on two point conversions. Mm -hmm. That was the difference in the game. So you know, I'll be interested to see how Minico uh, bounces back next week as well. So,
0: yeah, you know, those things all come down to the little things. And coaches will be the first to tell you, it's all about the little things that you do in practice. Now, I don't know why they were 0 for 3 in their conversions, but I bet when the coaches look at film, it's going to be from something, a detail that maybe was overlooked, whether it was, you know, technique on the line. Maybe it was not waiting for the, the, the hole to develop. Maybe it was, uh, could be a number of things, but it's little. And so those things tend to be great teachers because it reinforces what the coaches have been telling you the whole time. The little things matter the most.
1: Definitely. All right, Scott. Well, we want to debut a a new segment moving forward to wrap up each edition of the magic Valley prep cast, because you talked about it earlier. You really like to get into the philosophy of sports. And, yeah, we talk about what happens on the field, but there's also the the why and the how and all of that, the mental part of the game. And so we're, we're debuting the segment next week, but we're titling it Scott's Thoughts. What do you think?
0: I, I like it. Anytime that I can get into a discussion or a conversation where we talk beyond the box score, the the motivation, the the whys that you say, the philosophies, you can call it whatever you want. I'm all in. I love that.
1: Yeah. So, well, uh, each week I will give you the topic on this show, and then I'll give you a week to kind of jot down some thoughts. And and we want to use this as a guide map to obviously you work at a high school you're around high school kids, you're mentoring these young men and women so they can go on to be productive members of society and so it's going to be geared towards kind of life lessons, things like that. But sometimes us adults need like a refresher too, right? On, okay, mm. how do you act? What's what's the proper way to handle things? And I think you're a good fountain of information. This is going to go really well, I think.
0: I, I hope so. I'm, I'm looking forward to doing it because, you know, not only does it resonate with players and co- it resonates with me too, because sometimes I need a reminder on things because when you deal with sports, you deal with emotion. And when you deal with emotion, a lot of times rationale isn't quite present at times. And so it's always a good idea to, to hear these kinds of things. So hopefully I can bring something. Definitely.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, your first topic, and I just want to get your snap reaction, and then we'll have your more complete thoughts next week. First topic we're going to talk about is doing things you don't want to do, but need to be done. Uh, I got this idea from talking to you, uh, last week where you're like, boy, I just spent X amount of hours mowing the football field here at Jerome high school. And I got to spend every week mowing the football field. And I'm sure there's 20 other things you'd rather be doing, but somebody has got to go mow that field. And sometimes that falls on you. So we all have to do these things in life that we just don't enjoy doing. How do we find the motivation to do them?
0: Well, it comes down to one simple thing. It's everybody wants to be great, but not everybody wants to do what it takes to be great. And sometimes those things are behind the scenes that you'll never get credit for, that nobody will ever see, but they've got to be done. And so that's my first reaction to that. And as far as learning from a loss, I've got a ton of stuff on that already. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's hear that because we got it. Yeah, we kind of got our wires crossed this will kind of
1: give you an idea of what it's going to be about. So Scott, you prepared some thoughts, Scott's thoughts on learning from a loss. And then next week we'll dive into doing things you don't want to do, but have to be done. So give me your Scott's thoughts on learning from a
0: loss. Okay. Well, this is um, you could take this theme and you could do a hundred different things with it. And so these are just some things that I thought of when you talk about learning from a loss. And so it may come across more of a a kind of a, a monologue if you will, but here they are. And so here's what I think of. Whenever we lace up our shoes or we put on that helmet, the ultimate goal is to win the game. However, we both know that doesn't always happen. You know, winning is great and winning breeds winning and everyone loves a winner. However, learning from a loss is one of the most valuable lessons teams and coaches can learn. You know, we've all seen the teams who blaze through their schedule, crushing everyone in front of them only to falter at the state tournament when the competition gets tougher. Well, why is that? It's because they never had to face adversity. They never had to look defeat in the eye and say, I don't like how this feels and I don't wanna be here again. Back in the day, many, many, many moons ago when I was coaching, I love the games in which we were challenged. And sometimes I I love the games that we lost because it made me a better coach and it made my players better. In some non-conference games that I had back in the day, those non-conference games before max preps came around and ruined all non-conference games, um, I'd mess around with the lineups, with the play calling, just to create something that was uncomfortable. To create a situation where things weren't jiving and maybe we'd find ourselves losing late in the game. And then I'd throw the gauntlet. I'd put things back to normal and I'd say, all right, we've got four minutes to dig ourselves out of this. What have you got? Well, sometimes we would and sometimes we wouldn't. But what we learned from that were lessons that seldom get taught anymore. You know, when a team loses a game, it exposes you. And nobody likes to be exposed. Weaknesses are documented and the will to get back up and fight after being knocked down is challenged. And for the moments and the days after a loss, coaches aren't coaching the game anymore. They're coaching people and they are teaching the right and the wrong way to deal with defeat. And just because you experience defeat doesn't mean you're defeated. You know, I've seen so many coaches have complete and utter collapses after losing games or a losing season because all the focus was on the score and they stopped teaching the lessons our kids need so badly. Humility, resilience, and pride to name a few. So losing a game or games or having a losing season can teach you more about yourself and more about your teammates and more about your coaches than you'll ever learn in victory, how you react, how you learn, how you grow, and how you get back up and fight are not only the lessons that bring you more success in your season, they are the lessons that bring you more success in life. And those are Scott's thoughts.
1: That was great. Oh, I loved it. Very insightful. That
0: was great. Yeah, so you can, ex- yeah, a little snippet of what we're going to try to do.
1: And you can expect that uh, going forward. And it, like I said, I'll introduce the new topic at the end of each show. We'll we'll hear Scott's thoughts and then we'll, I'll introduce the new topic. We'll get Scott's kind of snap reaction and then we'll give him a week to actually prepare uh, what he wants to say.
0: So nicely done. Yep. All right, cool. All right. I'm excited to try this out.
1: Yeah, it'll be good. And if there, if there are topics you want us to talk about, please send an email, Brandon at idahosports.com or Scott, at IdahoSports.com, and uh, if you've got a topic you want to hear on Scott's thoughts, we, we'd love to tackle it. So,
0: yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay,
1: all right. I promise my internet will be better soon, Scott. I I I make that pledge. I don't. I only, I, I only have so many frozen
0: jokes, Brandon.
1: <laughs> I know. Doing those little things we don't want to do. I don't want to sit on the phone with my internet company as they try to persuade me not to cancel my services, but it's something I've got to do.
0: So, that's right. That's right. Nice segue. You got your segue mojo back.
1: (laughs) Finally got it at the very end. So, all right, we'll see if we can do better next week. Enjoy the competitions this weekend, everybody. For Scott Burton, I'm Brandon Bainey. We'll see you next time on the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com.